God bless anybody's heart that comes here and wants to chase a dream. I respect that more than most things. But yeah. unfortunately, you know, a lot of people in my seven years come here and then leave here right. for one reason or another, you know, whether life gets in the way or they have a change of heart. And I think everybody should do what makes them the most happy. But I am very humbled and very grateful because I could not have done it alone. Very happy and proud that I am still here doing what I love and I'm in a better position than I was when I got here. And that alone is maybe one of the hardest things about doing this, you know, is, is the persistence and not getting jaded, mm, you know. Good point, yeah. You build character as time progresses and it could go either way. Oh, totally. Because, you know, it's going to break some people down and build some people up and I think that's just part of it. And I don't know, even myself, I think it breaks you down and builds you back up. You just got to keep keep on getting, getting at it. You know what it does, Ashton? It really makes you honest oh yeah oh yeah you got to be honest with yourself you got to be honest we're talking about acting specifically you know and get really getting behind the things that fuel your emotions you know you have to be honest with you know your goals i mean it's yeah it's you're totally yeah that's an interesting way to put it but it's very true it would probably have to be one of my card tricks i have a (laughs) few go-tos that i do that never fail especially at a a social gathering of of sorts you know oh my god see that's good stuff that's a panty dropper right there (laughs) 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 i'm just saying man oh my doesn't hurt doesn't hurt yeah i gotta learn that i might have to call you up and a skill or two man i gotta learn a trick or two there my god (laughs) (laughs) outrageous that max Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Cinema After Dark podcast. I'm Max Cole, the host and producer of this podcast, and we're broadcasting from the entertainment capital of the world here, sunny Los Angeles, California. The sun has set, and the moonlight is now upon us. I want to thank all of you for tuning in to this podcast tonight. also want to remind you that you can find every episode of this show if you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Remember, if you or someone you know wants to be a guest on this podcast, make sure you reach out to me or have them reach out to me via the contact link there on our website. We have a couple of requirements. You need to have some skin in the game, and that means you need to have a few verifiable credits there in the film or television industry. Otherwise, we won't have much to talk about. I also strongly encourage you to follow us on Twitter at Cinema After Dark for the latest show updates. I want to remind everyone that this is an information and discussion based podcast. We don't censor ourselves and we sure the hell do not censor our guests. So please keep in mind that there might be some views and opinions expressed on this podcast that may not reflect the views and opinions of the host. We've got a great guest tonight, talented man by the name of Ashton Bingham. And let me tell you a little bit about Mr. Bingham. Ashton Bingham is an actor and producer in Los Angeles, stemming originally from Reno, Nevada, where he worked as a full-time performing magician. Ashton's experience and passion for the art of performing, combined by his childhood dream of motion picture performance and production, brought him out here to Los Angeles in 2010, where he quickly became ignited and grew his resume there. Quite an impressive track record. He's appeared in episodes of NBC's Parks and Recreation, the CW's 90210, as well as the new hit show Supergirl, Nickelodeon's Henry Danger, and many others. Ashton is also a creator and 
the executive producer of an award-winning web series titled Fucking Actors, which has garnered over a half a dozen Best Web Series Awards in the festival circuit since the summer of 2016, and it's currently streaming on Roku's ZP TV. He most recently has directed and produced an indie thriller short The Venom Brothers with Raja Dekka, a gentleman who's also been a guest on his podcast, and he's also written and directed the horror short Sightline with co-producer Art Kulik. Now, Ashton is the co-creator and the CEO of Trilogy Media Incorporated, which opened in 2016 with Art, and he's got some other films here slated for later this year. Although he's no longer pursuing magic, which I think is quite a bummer as a career, he's an active magician member of the Magic Castle, one of my favorite places in Hollywood. And he always continues to keep his passion for magic and mystery at the forefront of his projects. Ashton is just a talented individual, and we have a great, great discussion here. Really looking forward to sharing this with all of you. As you know, this is that part of the show where I ask our first-time listeners and those long-time listeners, get that fresh batch of popcorn ready, sit back, relax, and get comfortable while you listen to tonight's guest. My goodness, my goodness, have we got a treat for everyone listening to this podcast tonight. I tell you what, when I think about the definition of talent, a certain name comes to mind, Mr. Ashton Bingham. My God, it is a treat to have you on the podcast here tonight. Thanks so much, man. I'm happy to be here. Oh, my God. You're certainly somebody that's out there doing some rather unique things and you have a similar taste and creative work there so i'm looking forward to chatting it up here with you but uh, again you know thanks for coming on this podcast and uh, we had another actor and i'll get to you know discussing that uh, a little bit later but we had another actor come on who he was talking about how brilliant you were and then i you know had an opportunity to check out some of the stuff that you were doing and it was crazy because i'd actually seen some of your work prior to even I didn't even know it until now. And I was like, wow, goodness gracious, I've got to bring him on this podcast because you're certainly a really unique man of many talents. My God. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. (laughs) Yeah, man. Let's kind of give our listeners a little bit of context. You know, would you mind sharing where you were born and raised and how you got started in the entertainment industry? Because I think there's some fascinating aspects to your backstory there. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's interesting. I it's actually kind of made itself come full circle. I was born in uh, Westlake, California, but I grew up the majority of my childhood up uh, in Reno, Nevada. Yeah. So I lived up, uh, but not like, you know, casino Reno, like your casino Nevada, like you would think, you know, I was up in uh, about halfway up halfway up the mountain to Tahoe. So I grew up in a forest and I was, uh, I was the kid, I was the geeky film kid that would uh, have a video camera everywhere he went and was pretty much making movies as, as young as I could, you know, pick up a camera and then just learned everything by doing. So I, you know, I didn't spend my, my, uh, weekends and my summers partying and, and, uh, you know, I, I, of course I had, I had friends. I didn't have a, um, 
you know, it wasn't like a popular kid, but I had a very close knit group of friends and most of them were into the same things as me. And I spent all my free time making movies and just exploring and seeing what else I could do, what else I could learn. And so I spent the majority of my, of the childhood that I can recall, the childhood that, you know, that I remember that means something to me, you know, um, in that environment. And it was uh, extremely formative. You know, I, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about my interests and what I wanted to do. And I was incredibly blessed, still am, to have uh, supportive parents. I mean, that was, you know, even up until now is wow. one of the most pivotal, most meaningful things that has gotten me to where I am and will continue to keep me going until the day I die. So, yeah. So uh, most of my years in Reno, Nevada, I'm 26 now. I moved here at, in 2010 uh-huh. before I was 19. So yeah, I've been here about uh, about seven years. But, wow. but yeah, it really, uh, really, really started up in uh, really up in the mountains and then came back to SoCal where I was born. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You say your 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 folks were uh, supportive. I think that's fantastic. It's either one way or the other. You know, you hear folks that are sort of for it because I think parents want the best for their kids. Most parents, I mean, think want the best for their children. When did you kind of reveal to them that this was something that you were really passionate about? Because I know you said you started sort of early. Did they just see that and just kind of accepted it? So far as you can remember. Pretty much, yeah, and I and I hear what you say. You know, there's I consider myself very lucky to have the parents that I do because you're right. There's a lot of parents that either are not as supportive, whether that be for you know ill-intentioned reasons or not. You know, a lot of them are just, especially in an industry like this, that's so unpredictable and so so nasty. Sometimes a lot of yeah. you know parents might be restrictive in supporting something like this just out of a fear or just out of a out of a protective nature. You right. know, and and my my parents always were, but they 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 always put my my dream and my wants first. And that that was an incredible thing. I think I started showing a serious interest, you know, probably around the age of nine. Wow. Yeah. My, you know, parents got me. I just, you know, actually it happened because I was at a family function. I can't remember the specifics, but I just happened to, someone had a camera and in the, gosh, this was maybe 1998. So the cameras were, you know, yeah, the, <laughs> the size of a lamp, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> I picked up a camera and was just filming, you know, family function and just kind of playing with it. And I just, there was just something about that. There was something about creating the image on the screen that I was doing that just kind of stuck. And so mm. when I, you know, it was shortly thereafter started showing an interest in, in wanting to be a little bit more creative with it, you know, they were always the first to provide me with whatever I needed. You know, that was a new camera, the new computer. And of course, technology is aging at such a rapid rate that right. it was constantly changing. But uh, they got me an editing software. I was probably like 11 at the time. You know, they had an old, old ass version of Adobe Premiere. Oh, my. Like I remember 2.0, yeah. which is, you know, now I use Adobe Premiere 2017 yeah. for work. And so it's kind of interesting. <laughs> but yeah, they were just always really supportive. And I juggled a passion for movie making along with a passion of doing magic. Those two things were just took up, you know, 90% of my free time from the age of eight to the age of, you know, 19 when I got the hell out of Reno. So yeah, they were very supportive. They always invested in whatever was going to bring me to the next level, whatever tools were going to help me learn more, whatever classes I needed to take, whatever people I needed to meet, they were at the forefront of that. And that was a hugely formative process leading into my high school years when I had to really start thinking about what I wanted to do with my life, you know? Yeah. By the way, when did you kind of decide you wanted to do this professionally? Well, I juggled the passion of both throughout pretty much my entire teenage years. You know, I was a working magician. I got my first gig when I was 14. I was working in an Italian restaurant doing close-up magic on Tuesday nights. Oh, my. And from there, I just started getting a lot more work. I performed in every every talent show my school had. I, I ended up performing at my graduation for like 4,000 people. So that you know, as I got older, started taking a little bit more precedence because it just required a lot of practice, a lot of rehearsal, a lot of what I was getting paid to do. So it was, it was kind of where my, my time had to go. But as I approached 
you know, graduation and, and starting making decisions about college. And, you know, I really kind of had to analyze how much I love doing each thing and how how lucrative each one could be and what the the years upcoming of of chasing either one or the other would be and you know as much as I love magic as much as I continue to love magic today and how much I still use it in various aspects of what I do it just didn't seem quite as fulfilling in regards to the opportunities that there were yeah, you know you're a little, little kid from reno and you're you're looking at los angeles as this mecca of film yeah it's like it's kind of hard to compete with that so that's what kind of shifted my focus once i had to get really serious you know oh very cool i love the fact that you're into magic i love magic man i think it's fantastic i'm oh, a God. big big fan of magic magicians it's kind of funny that you have that in your you know kind of like as your your background because I do think it's a cool way to kind of, I don't know, it branches into film in a rather unique way. Absolutely. And do you have a favorite trick, by the way? Is there anything that you <laughs> remember that was one of your favorites? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, <laughs> I was, I've always been a, a cards guy. Like, I, yeah. I think cards are what I've spent the most time doing and probably what I'm still best at today. As much as I love stage magic and as much as i did of it it's just a whole nother art and it's not something since obviously since i left reno i didn't bring my show with me i didn't continue pursuing that as like a job so that time spent doing that kind of fell by the wayside so it's a lot easier to maintain a a, a love for close-up magic because it's easier mm, to practice right yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I, I as far as a favorite trick i don't know i i it'd probably have to be one of my card tricks i have a <laughs> few go-to's that i do that never fail especially oh, nice. at a, a social gathering of, of sorts you know oh so. my god see that's good stuff that's a panty dropper right there <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying man oh my it doesn't hurt doesn't hurt. Yeah, I got to learn that. I might have to call you up and uh, get a skill or two, man. I got to learn a trick or two there. My there God. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Outrageous, that Max. But anyways, it's cool because you like fast forward several years later, you're working at Magic Castle, which is one of my favorite places in Hollywood. And can you tell them what that place is like? Because to me, I call it paradise. It's like yeah. a hidden paradise. It's I think it's actually magical in itself. I mean, the even when you enter that place, there's a little bit of magic. Oh, yeah. You know, you got to say the, the key phrase there. And, oh, God, it's just one of my favorite places. But can you kind of give our listeners a, just a taste of what that place is like and how you got, you know, into that? And and really, um, I don't know, just I'm going to let you I'm just going to shut up here and, and kind of no, let you sure. talk about that because that place gets me so excited. I can barely speak. I love that place. It's amazing. It's for those that don't know about it or know what it is. It's, it's basically, in short, a private club centered around magic that it takes place in a mansion that's over 100 years old. Yeah. So that alone is pretty impressive. It is. It's it's uh it, the, the place. The place is huge. You, you pull up and it, it might. I mean, it looks really cool, but it doesn't look gigantic. But you go inside and there's just all, there's so these so many different floors and these yeah. catacombs. There's like three or four different bars and there's like six different theaters and it's open every day of the year. We'll open to members. It's a private. You know, you have to be a member or be invited to go. But it functions every day of the year and uh, every single theater has shows going on nightly. And if as a member, you can go anytime you want. You can watch any show you want. If you're if you're a magic aficionado or follow it at all, you usually have a pretty good idea of you know the people that are performing. And they don't bring performers in there that are just hobbyists. You know, they bring the that are you know doing it as a living. And and to clarify, I don't actually work there. I, I'm not pursuing that side of my 
performance strong enough to do that. I would, would love to do that one day when my workload dies down a little bit, but I do attend the castle on a regular basis. And to be a member, there's basically two different kinds of memberships. You can be an associate member, which is you're just a fan of magic. You don't necessarily do it. You just really like it and you support it. You've studied it and uh, you know you pay your dues for that reason. Or you can be a magician member, which entails an audition process, probably the most nerve wracking audition I've ever done, which is <laughs> ironic since I'm an actor. It's still probably one of the most nerve wracking auditions I've ever done. But yeah, you have to audition and, and uh, you can become a magician member. And that just, it gives you a little bit, it's a little bit cheaper in dues and it, you get more perks. Like you get to go to the member only lectures and uh, go into the magic library where they have every magic book you could ever imagine. Oh my. Wow. It's just an amazing resource. It's a great place to network with people that love the same thing that you do. And there's so much history, so many interesting things to look at. And every seven days, every single theater has a new show in it. So you never run out of things to do. It's really awesome. My God. I'm glad you explained that because I didn't even know that that's how the memberships work. That's fascinating. There's so much about that place, I think, that I've always wondered. So it's it's cool having somebody on there that is familiar with everything there. So um Oh, God, I'm going to have to pick your brain on that another time because we got so much to discuss here. But Absolutely. <laughs> I've seen so many cool magicians there. And, oh, God, that place is just awesome. It it's just amazing. It really, really is. Is there anything that you kind of wish you would have known about this crazy film industry that you know now that you didn't know prior to starting? You said, what, seven years it's been since you've been out here now? Yeah, yeah, I just hit seven years, which yeah, in the Lucky scope of things is so... Is, I know, there you go, right? It goes by it's, fast, though, right? Oh, my God, does it go by fast. Uh, in, in the scope of things, it's so not that long. Like I have, I, I'm close with a lot of people that have been doing it twice as long as me and are, are still are still hustling. You know, yeah. it's just kind of the nature of it. And gosh, I don't know, I've learned so much about it, and I have so much to learn still. But if there's one thing I wish I had a known going in, I guess it's how important knowing your self-worth is. Mm. Some people come down and they have overnight success. You know, they come down and they book a TV show within a week of getting here. And there's nothing wrong with that, of course. But the majority of people really have to struggle. And their overnight success takes 10 years or more. Yeah, and right. that's that's kind of the reality of it. And so, you know, you kind of have this when you get down here, this there's almost a magic and almost like a like a dream state that is associated with being here yeah. and booking something, booking a job, booking a TV show or something is the, the, just the thought of that is, is mind blowing is so amazing. It's your dream. That's why you came here. But for a lot of people, it doesn't happen right away. So it can be discouraging. It can oh, be, right. if you put so much weight on the audition itself, the one specific audition or the one specific job you want, the one interview that you feel like you didn't do well on, it can really do a number on your confidence and your, you know, what you perceive as your self-worth. So I treat that process so differently now in regards to knowing that my approach to an audition or my specific interview is not, it's not about that one interview. It's not about that one audition because I know who I am. I know what I can do. And I know when it's my time, it, it's going to be amazing. So facing all that rejection and coming out of it positive is probably one of the hardest things about being here and about doing this. So, oh, so true. if I had known that maybe on a more than just an intellectual level, getting down here, that would have maybe saved me some heartache, but you know, it's all, yeah. part, of, it's all part of the process, you know, of learning. Right. Kind of builds... You build character as time progresses, and it could go either way. Oh, totally. Because, you know, totally. I've seen it break some people down and build some people up, and I think that's just part of it. And I don't know, even myself, I think it breaks you down and builds you back up. You just got to keep keep on getting getting at it. You know what it does, Ashton? It really makes you honest. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. 
you got to be honest with yourself. You got to be honest if we're talking about acting specifically, you know, and get really getting behind the things that fuel your emotions. You know, you have to be honest with, you know, your goals. I mean, it's, yeah, it's your totally, yeah, that's an interesting way to put it, but it's very true. Yeah, it's wild. You have a ton of credits here. I mean, you've, your acting work's spectacular. You're directing, producing, doing all kinds of stuff. You know, I got to ask you, because there's a point where uh, I think every creative person kind of says, like, fuck this. You know, I'm going <laughs> to produce my own content. And, you know, when was that point for you? Because, you know, you obviously you've done a ton of acting, but, you know, you've also been doing a lot of writing and producing and directing now. And was there a point that you just said, hey, I'm just going to start uh, creating type of roles that I want to uh, play and also want to see and type of films that I want to see? Yeah, you know, it, it's becoming increasingly more important as the years are going by, even when I got here seven years ago, which is not that long ago. There seemed to be a much more conventional way of, of being successful in doing this. And, yeah. and, you know, there's always that standard way of going to auditions and networking. And that's all, of course, is just as important now as it ever was. But with today, with the things that are happening in television, the, the number of platforms there are to get seen, mm, true. the huge surge in Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and network TV not really calling the shots as much as it used to. It's becoming more and more important that you just put your work out there right. in whatever form that that is. You know, if that's if it's directing, if it's if it's just acting, it's it's just becoming more and more important. So I guess for me personally, you know, I came here in 2010 and uh, I mean, obviously I had I had support from my parents as much as, you know, in a, within a reasonable sense, but I still had, I had to get a job, you know, I had to get a job. I had yeah. to work jobs that I hated. Right. Um, and right. I had to do that for almost five years. Yeah. I, I think the last day I, I clocked in somewhere was in November of 2014. Yeah. And it was one of the best days of my life. I've <laughs> thankfully been self-employed since then and I could not be more grateful, but I had to work a lot and, right. and, and I had to dedicate so much of my time to doing things that I hated, absolutely hated. Yeah. And so whatever time I did have to myself, I just kind of put it completely into, you know, the audition and the, cl the classic things that you think of to do, which are important, you know, like training and auditioning yeah. and getting an agent and all that stuff. But I think now these last, you know, two years of mine have been extremely transformative for me personally. Now that I have, I, I wouldn't say more time to myself because I'm still just as busy, but I have more focus right. to my own career and my own goals and my own dreams and my own things that I'm pursuing. And so I guess it was maybe about two years ago when those doors kind of opened up for me and I, it was just a very transformative time with in regards to where my energy was put and, mm, yeah. and right about that time too when you know Netflix and Amazon and all those places were just surging with content yeah. and just becoming much uh, more and more evident that you know it can't hurt you know you putting your work out there may or may not do anything for you but it can't hurt why not express yourself in a different way why not you know especially if you have interest in other fields like I do right. like obviously mm -hmm. I'm here to act love doing that. But I also love filmmaking. I have just because of where I started and where I was, what I was doing as a 10 year old, I got my editing software and I had to figure it out. I didn't have film school at 10 years old. Yeah. And even at that point, YouTube wasn't really happening yet either. So yeah. we had to learn by doing. And so exactly. with me having an interest in editing and all the other things that I do besides acting, it's like, why not exercise those things? And so I think it was the last two years that I really kind of came into my own in that way and really felt like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and wait for the phone to ring. It's the worst thing I can do. Right. You know, take the bull by the horns and, and, and see what happens. And it's exactly. opened up in a, in a massive amount of doors in regards to the people that I've met and the opportunities I've had and, and the fun I've had too. My goodness. That's the thing. I mean, you know, it's a lot of work, but there's a lot of fun. I mean, doing this thing is, is really, really exhilarating in so many different ways. It's funny. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we've become just such a massive content driven society and 
I think as a storyteller, you're always itching to tell a story, whether you're behind the camera or in front of the camera. There's always that creative itch. It's really powerful. Just want to scratch it sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's cool that you're out there uh, doing some stuff. I actually want to talk to you about acting for a second here, because has there been a role that's kind of stuck out as one of your favorites thus far? Boy, some well, interesting stuff. Man. It, it's uh, well, thank, oh, thank you very much. Well, I guess it depends on you know if you're referring to like the experience of it or the the actual character itself. I mean, yeah. I would have to say in regards to the experience of it, I would probably look back to one of the first TV shows I ever booked, which was Nine Hundred Two One Zero. Nine Hundred Two One Zero, yeah. Yeah, I booked that in January of two thousand eleven. It was mm. almost a year to the day after I moved to LA. Crazy. Which I'm still very lucky that it happened even that soon. Yeah. Um, you know, I went out for this little co-star part, you know, that I had only had a few lines, but the role was labeled as being a, a potential recurring. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was my first TV show, first experience on a set. It, just the feeling of that, that adrenaline, that dopamine that goes through your head when you finally get that call from your agent saying they want you, they chose you. Right. Not a whole lot can top that. And I've yeah. booked stuff since then. And obviously I'm ecstatic every time I do, but there's just something about that, that very first one where you really actually feel like you're doing something right. And so there's something about that. And and then I ended up getting to do three episodes of that show, which, you know, yeah. I guess they liked to bring me back. And so I got to work on that show for, you know, about three weeks in total. And it was just amazing. It's just the experience and just being surrounded by all these people that I know, people that I recognize, sets that I've only seen, like in behind the scenes featurettes of movies, my favorite That's movies, crazy, you know. Right? So, so I, as far as the experience, I don't have to say that. But yeah. as far as the as far as the character goes, I can't ignore the web series that I co-created. Yeah last year early last year called uh excuse the language but fucking actors don't excuse the actors doesn't do it justice. <laughs> <laughs> our, our web series of uh, fucking actors just oh, i mean yeah. it's it, kind of an interesting way how that whole thing came about but as far as the character goes really yeah. getting to play my goofiest side and not only that but being able to apply because i also wrote all the screenplays for the episode so being able to incorporate mine and some of my close friends experiences as actors and just all the crazy shit that happens that most people think is not is only fiction but it's actually true Mm, Um, so being able to incorporate that into a show that's very meta and very kind of aware of itself and being able to poke fun at ourself really ultimately was the goal (laughs) and there's something fulfilling about that and being able to take all those things that happen to you that you kind of have a negative you know air about and turning it into something positive that makes not only yourself laugh but everyone else that's been through it laugh as well oh i love that yeah i think that reflection that human reflection is usually where you find the gold in content we'll talk more about that in the second half because i want to come back to that for sure but that's cool that that's actually a role that you know you consider to be one of your favorites now you direct obviously you're writing now you're acting producing do any one of those kind of grab you more than another i'm very curious about that well I think they all kind of feed into each other in a way. Yeah. I mean, if being honest, I mean, I would probably have to say acting. There's, if I'm looking back to the reason I came to LA specifically, it's that, yeah. you know, I came here to act. I've, you know, when I started making movies as a child, I mean, I was learning how to make movies by doing, but I was learning how to make movies because I wanted to act in movies. Right. And it's kind of, <laughs> like, I was always the friend that cared the most. So yeah. it was me and three people making this stupid little spy movie in the forest. Like <laughs> I, I had to learn what it, 
it took to make that happen because I wanted to be in it and I wanted to look cool too. So yeah. it was all kind of feeding into that. But I mean, now it's, I guess, in a similar manner, but just in a, a different way. I do get a fulfillment out of editing and out of directing and out of wanting to tell stories that I maybe necessarily wouldn't book as an acting job because, you know, I think a big part of being an actor here in big business thing about being an actor, it's a show business and the big, yeah. biggest part of that business is learning where your casting is. You know, it's right. a lot of people have this misconception that getting getting typecast is a bad thing. And that's no, that's as a new actor, that's the best thing that yeah, can happen exactly. to you. You're going to get it's just a way for you to get work. More so work, if you, right. the faster you understand that, the faster you're going to book actual real jobs. Mm-hmm. And so with me typically going out for auditions for the same type of character, which I have no problem with, it's fulfilling for me to be able to create stories that are maybe a little bit darker or maybe a little bit more twisted or maybe a little bit uh, whatever than yeah. I would normally get to do until I am at a place where I'm getting called to do those things that as a bigger name. But for right now, I'm trying to embrace my typecasting as an actor so that I can get more work. And then, you know, you can use your own projects to do whatever the hell you want, which yeah, is kind of a beauty. Point. Yeah, good point. By the way, is there a role that you've been wanting to play, but haven't had that opportunity yet? Character? Anything that you can think of? That oh, you've goodness. Seen? Oh, gosh. I mean, like first thing that know, comes to mind, you know, like talking about childhood dreams to, you know, to star in an awesome, like, J.J. Abrams action movie yeah. would be, man, I've had to lose 50 pounds, but it would be, you know, <laughs> maybe not, That's maybe cool, not, man. you know, you never know, but yeah, yeah. In, in my mind, I would like to be in better shape, <laughs> and I'm, I'm getting there. Uh, but yes, I, I gosh, uh, those were the, you know, uh, like the matrix was a huge yeah. part of my childhood embracing that really cool sci-fi oh, yeah. uh, action, really just send chills up your spine kind of feeling as a kid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Were you into Trek? I wasn't earlier on. I am a little bit now. As I wasn't as into TV shows as a kid. It was it was mostly in, into movies, and that was not by choice. It was just kind of what I was aware of and what I where I put my time into. But certainly now that I'm here in the industry and looking back at where all the greats started and where inspiration started for so much of today's content, I, I have a huge respect and huge love for it. As well, of course. Oh yeah. By the way, do you like action movies? Like, is that your favorite genre? What kind of stuff do you watch when you have free time? Because out here, it's hard to catch a free moment. But, you know, do you, you know, have a favorite genre or anything that you're watching? What's on your screen, you know? Yeah, I'm yeah. curious about that. I think, you know, I mean, of course, I, I can get into anything that has a good story. I mean, that's basically what it's about. If I had to pinpoint a specific genre, I would probably say any kind of psychological thriller nice. that just messes with your head. Yeah, me too. You know, and not, and I'm not, I don't mean like horror, blood and guts. I mean, there, there's a place for that, but anything like any of like Shyamalan's early movies yeah. or, you know, even, uh, like Christopher Nolan and oh, yeah. anything that has a thrilling element and a twisted thing that just kind of really blows your mind. And I think maybe part of that might stem from my love for magic too, because that's basically what magic is, is, right. mis- is misdirection. So anything yeah. with a misdirection, anything with a, a twist, anything that really makes you think and kind of screws with your head and makes you rethink anything, uh, that's probably first on my list nice and speaking of that because like magic movies or movies with magicians have you seen any that you've liked i have and this oddly there hasn't Did you been like nolan's 
that many. I love everything Nolan does. Yeah, me too. Yeah, the Prestige is, uh, I think that was maybe one of the first ones I saw. And yeah. I, that was before I even really knew who Nolan was, or maybe, maybe most people, I don't know. But yeah, I love anything Nolan does. But yeah, the Prestige specifically was is probably the, the one that comes to mind yeah. the strongest. I also really liked, I, I haven't seen it in probably a decade or whenever it came out, but I love The Illusionist. Oh, uh, yes. Edward, Edward really, I remember liking it. I don't remember anything about it. I just remember loving it. Yeah, me too. Um, I like the movie. That, yeah. That's what they always say. You know, you'll, this was a lesson in magic too. They always tell you, the audience will never remember what you did, but they will remember <laughs> how you made them feel. Oh, good point. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's actually true. Kind of think about it now. I'm thinking about yeah, all the same times with movies with... in a way, I mean, unless you've seen it a million times, but you know. Yeah, that's interesting. What's been one of your most kind of enjoyable accomplishments? Well, I could narrow it down to a specific show or a specific booking or something. But I mean, what makes me the most happy is the fact that I'm still here. (laughs) I'm, you know, I've been here seven years and, and God bless anybody's heart that comes here and wants to chase a dream. I respect that more than most things, but unfortunately I've seen a lot of people in my seven years come here and then leave here for one reason or another, you know, whether life gets in the way or they have a change of heart. And I think everybody should do what makes them the most happy, but I am very humbled and very grateful because I could not have done it alone. Very happy and proud that I am still here doing what I love and I'm in a better position than I was when I got here. And that alone is maybe one of the hardest things about doing this, you know, is is the persistence and not getting jaded, Mm, you know? Good point. Yeah. It can make you kind of cynical sometimes this industry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no doubt about that. It's cool that you, you know, you take time to kind of realize and reflect on, you know, the fruits of your own labor too, as well. Like you said, I mean, there's so many reasons that, you know, you can end up not here. I mean, really, it's just, uh, it's something that can happen rather easily. You know, it's, it's so for one, it's a hell of an expensive city to live in, but yes, it is <laughs> outside of that, you know, the hell that is the rent here. This is a hard city. It certainly, you know, you're dealing with some really, really unique obstacles for one, because the industry is hard to navigate. There's really no blueprint to it. But two, I think it's really, I know it's kind of savage in a way, because you know, you've got the best of the best really out here all fighting for the opportunities. You hear no so many times, but we're all out here under one common goal, which is to find the yeses. Mm-hmm. That's a difficult thing to do sometimes, but you know, you're making it happen. And I kind of do think it's a you know, a game of musical chairs sometimes, you know, it's one of those things where you want to be the last person standing or in that last group of people standing. So absolutely, as long as you're standing, it's, it's a good sign. So yeah, that's right. Absolutely right. So salute to that. Now I'm going to play something here. My God, it's fucking awesome. And I got to play this because let me, it speaks for itself. I'm going to play something here. So let's listen in here, folks. All right. I could hang up this call. Because you are an inbred motherfucking piece of shit. Stop fucking scamming people, you stupid, dumb son of a bitch. I'm glad I wasted 34 minutes of your time so you can't scam other people, you horrible motherfucker. How dare you? You should be fucking ashamed. How dare you scam people? Go get a real job. Wow, that's awful strong words for someone working for the IRS. Target gift cards? Are you kidding me? You can't think of something more convincing than for me to pay off my IRS debt with a Target <laughs> gift card? You're so f***ing stupid. You have a dog. I have a dog? Just exchange your positions with your dog, yes. 
Come you, have a dog. Did you just tell me to have relations with my dog? That's f***ing awesome. Come to Pakistan, okay? Let's come to Pakistan. Oh, Pakistan's where you're calling from. <laughs> I'm going to stop it right there. Oh, my God. How to fool a telephone scammer. And he caught me on a good day. <laughs> Brilliant work there. I mean, 40 minutes of you literally playing the scam on the scammer. I have to give you a fist bump because that is brilliant work, my friend. I mean, 50 million views, 1.6 million plus likes. It's just insanity. Where did the idea for that come from? Because it is absolutely awesome. I, I still I still label that as to date the, the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. I, I, I could not have ever guessed a year ago that, that anything like that would have ever come near me. So, yeah, basically, I was for about a month straight. I was getting, you know, a lot of people have heard of or received these uh, IRS scammer phone oh calls. God, where is somebody in a usually in another country calls you and claims to be from the IRS and claims that you owe the IRS, you know, a, a sum of money and that there's a lawsuit put against you. There's there's, there's police coming to your door. There's they're, they're going to arrest you today if you don't pay up and they scare you specifically targeting, you know, elderly people or, or maybe foreign people that don't understand or, you know, it's they're, they're preying on the weak, but they get you. And then nowadays the security on credit cards is harder. So now for them to get paid, they, they get you to go to a store and buy some kind of a gift card or some kind of, <laughs> some kind of a cash card. And then they have you read them the number so that they can get the money off of that. So right. I was getting these calls, you know, six, seven times a day for like oh a month. <laughs> I, I ended up on some freaking, some list, some caller thing. I would just always blow them to voicemail. And it just got to a point where it was getting so irritating. So this whole thing came out of my desire to stop getting phone calls. This is how this whole thing started. So... <laughs> What I, I just kind of sat down and thought about it. I'm like, okay, well, how can I get myself off this list? Well, ignoring the phone call obviously isn't working. So maybe I need to answer one and just give them a hard time. <laughs> well, I could just yell at them, which a lot of people do. Or maybe I just make their life a living hell by playing dumb and just wasting their time. And then maybe they'll stop calling me. And then I'm like, okay, but if I'm going to do that, I have to record it. You just never oh, know. Yes. You never gold. know. And what I figured would happen was I would get a couple of calls. I would mess with them for a few minutes. They would, you know, get irritated with me and hang up. The calls would last two or three minutes long. And I would have a compilation video of like three or four different videos I could show my friends and maybe post it on Facebook <laughs> and have a few hundred views and just have a laugh. Right. right maybe they'd right. stop calling me. That was my expectation. Yeah. So the next day I got a call. And what you see in this video is that very first call that I got. <laughs> I, it's the most spectacular thing that I could have ever expected to happen. That I mean, the full, yeah, like you said, the full call is uh, over 45 minutes long. Yeah. And I, I, of course, had to edit this down. And for those that haven't seen the video, it takes a really dark turn, even after I'm bitching him out, like you just yeah. heard. He says some really threatening you know, things about his threatening terrorism, basically. Yeah, it was crazy. I was like, what? <laughs> insane and i spend the first you know 35 minutes of the call just playing dom and i think there's some you know funny humorous moments in there but then when yeah. it takes that turn that reaction you see from me is totally honest like <laughs> i did not expect it to go there yeah, it, and it kind of scared the shit out of me in the moment yeah it was crazy man he was he's into you know, a little bestiality oh gosh it was in, it was like yeah so i got off that phone call <laughs> it was like i was shaken up like uh, in fact uh, uh one of my roommates was in a nearby bedroom and i i came out and i actually i currently i live with uh Gian, who's in the uh, the other guy in the, the fucking actors show yeah, yeah. And, uh, i came out 
was like, Dan. And he's like, who the hell were you just on the phone with? I'm like, you are not <laughs> going to believe what the hell just happened. And I showed him the video. And so I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I sat on that for a couple of weeks. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. It was really, it's really intense. Uh, what I did was I edited it down to the six and a half minute length that, that's online now. Yeah. And I just kind of sat on it. I thought about it. I'm like, what do I want to do with this? I think it has viral potential, but do I really want that? Do I want that associated to my name? There's a lot of sensitive people out there that could twist this the wrong way. If it's presented wrong, who knows what's going to happen? This could put a really, really negative thing associated with me that I wasn't really sure I wanted. So I really sat on it for a couple of weeks and just kind of went with my instincts. But ultimately, I decided to put it out, but I didn't put it out. I actually got a licensor to do it. There's a licensor called Storyful uh, based out of Ireland. And they I showed them the video just on the off chance they'd be interested. And they were immediately interested. And yeah. so that got me thinking, well, maybe this maybe can actually do something. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe if I get lucky, it'll get a million views, right? Right. Well, they posted it and it got a million in less than a day. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's now been up for like four or five months. It's just hit 50 million on Facebook. Plus oh it's on like, you know, 15 to 20 other platforms that are also getting a lot of attention. And I have gotten God. countless, countless messages from just random people on Facebook. And my name's not even really on the video, but right. I'm still, still finding me. And they're like saying really mostly positive things. Thank God. You know, in fact, one, <laughs> one guy messaged me. He was like, I, you know, I'm dying of cancer. And I found your video today and it, it really turned my day around. So wow. thank you for and and then That's like so two or three weeks after the video went live, there was like this huge bust in India of all these uh, call centers that were bringing in like six figures what? of money, like 80 people or something. So God. I don't know if I do it that, but it was just nice to hear after all that uh, went down. So yeah, well, an interesting months. Well, thank you. Oh yeah, my God. That's, that's <laughs> so glad it happened. Lightning in a bottle, sure. I can't believe that. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, well, it, it's it, it's blowing me away for sure. I mean, what was the most amazing was like people that I went to junior high with that I haven't spoken to in like <laughs> you know, however many, you know, 10 years or whatever, you know, 13 years. And they'll text me and say, dude, my brother in Massachusetts just sent me this video. Is this you? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's me. So um, oh, it's God, really it's awesome. It's like, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I'm going to leave a link to it in our uh in our podcast notes but folks if you just google how to fool a telephone scammer and then you know, maybe put in their uh story full you will find this just check it out because it's it's absolutely hilarious and so well played and it's so nice because you know i always want to get those fuckers back so i'm just <laughs> nice to see somebody who did and did it the right way it was just so well played it's thank you it's phenomenal all the stuff through the target stuff oh god it was just <laughs> it was a hell of a lot of fun oh in retrospect i'm so glad it happened god it's like an improv like if you could give somebody like a blueprint on how to do like improv uh, an improv conversation <laughs> it's just phenomenal because it's all spontaneous and you know this is something that actually happened and my god you just crushed it so oh, thanks man uh, yeah, thank you really really cool stuff Folks, i was lucky i got very lucky i gotta i gotta say i was in the right place at the right time <laughs> i got a lightning in a bottle and thankfully i was prepared and i was recording it oh yeah that's oh, tremendous tremendous well sir i think this is a good place to take a short break because i want to give you a chance to reset you've been so generous here and we'll also give our listeners a chance to reset because i do want to come back and discuss some of your recent work if you're cool with hanging out a bit absolutely awesome well Folks, we're going to take a short break here, and we'll be back with more of Mr. Ashton Bingham. My God, you certainly want to stay tuned, folks. Do not go anywhere. We will be back with more after this.
And welcome back to the Cinema After Dark podcast. We are continuing a wonderful discussion with Mr. Ashton Bingaman. My God, he has so kindly shared his journey into the industry. Made us laugh a bit here. (laughs) (laughs) For this half of the discussion, I do want to switch gears here, sir, and discuss some of your latest projects because you've been working on some really, really stellar work here and God, let's talk about the Venom Brothers, a short thriller that, you know, you wrote and directed. Was that something you originally sought out to do? How did you come up with the idea? But with the writing and directing part of it, did you know that you wanted to direct this piece? Did you also know that you wanted to act in it too as well? Things that like from a creative standpoint, I can't wrap my head around because, you know, as a writer director myself, I can't imagine wearing all these hats and being able to just maintain your own sanity but also being able to execute in such a, a wonderful way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I wrote the script and we actually shot that a while ago. It's been quite the process uh, on my end, getting that thing finished just because of the, the changes that have happened in my life over the last year and a half or so. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I wrote the script in about early 2015 because, you know, like I was saying, you know, at the end of 2014, I was kind of really coming into my own in regards to my schedule and me being able to not have so much time put into things that I hated. Yeah. So I, I was really trying to procure some content and just really, it was the first thing that I really sat down and wrote myself. I mean, I was heavily involved in a, a couple other projects uh, leading up to this that, you know, I, I played a big role in as far as helping to write, helping to produce. And they were, they were what I consider to be my, my film school, really. But mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. This, uh, the Venom Brothers was something, it was the first thing I really sat down, really wrote on my own. Uh, I wanted to do the way I wanted to do it and being really inspired by, you know, like we talked about, those those kinds of psychological thrillers, things that are twisted, things with uh, you know a, a real suspense quality to them uh, oh, was kind yeah. of what, what stemmed this idea. And I, I don't know, it just it, it took me a while to kind of land it where I wanted it to. But one day I just was on a roll and I wrote the first draft in like six hours, like at a, at a coffee wow. shop. and. Obviously, it went through a, a lot of changes after that to kind of re- really get it locked and get it get it stronger. But mm-hmm. it was the first thing that it just felt great. And so moving forward, you know, I think I have uh, one of my close friends is um, Raja Dekka, who yeah. I think you had on another episode. Yeah. Just going to say that he, that man yeah. is brilliant. He's he's a very, very talented individual. Raja Dekka Super is cool. A, he's an amazing human being. Um, folks, yeah, we, by the way, uh, folks, folks that are listening to this podcast need to check out his uh, podcast. Too. He's fantastic. I'm going to bring him back too because he's fantastic. But yeah, how did you all connect? And oh, let me shut up. Yeah. Well, no, no, you're good. Uh, yeah, there's a uh, there, there's a there's a tight knit group of us that have all known each other for about five or six years, and and uh, Raja was one of the first ones that I've met, and I've met so many of the important people in my life now because of him, because he's just he just attracts that kind of energy, and he's just such yeah. a good guy. But yeah, uh, you know, and I met my uh, my my current uh, close friend and business partner. His name's Art Kulik. Oh yeah, uh, another right. another very established actor and uh, his uh, co creator, I guess you could say, of our uh, production company, Trilogy Trilogy Media. Um, So we've all kind of met, but I met so many people that are important to me through Raja. He just has known so many people and he's just such a social butterfly. But anyway, I had written the script and and he, I had told him about it and he was interested in it. And I kind of had him in mind. I kind of wrote it with him in mind for the other lead character in the the film. And I, I wrote it primarily with a thought of wanting to act in it just because I was still in that. I hadn't, I didn't have my production company yet. I was just wanting to create content. And so I wrote it with, in mind with wanting to play the lead with Raja. Ah, okay. And so See, that's what the, I was wondering. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't write it to, I mean, I knew that I would enjoy directing it, but it's not like a decision I made yet. But as time went on, as we, as we started 
acquiring some funding for it. Uh, our brand manager, Skip Bolden, helped us put together a great Indiegogo. Right. And we, uh, we, we were able to successfully fund the shoot. And, um, Shout out to Skip. Yeah, oh yeah, Skip's awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah, check out Skip Bolden on Twitter. Yeah. Um, he, he's great. He's always posting great stuff. He's so in tune and in touch with the independent film community. Shout out to Skip. I've been trying to get him on the show, but I think he's a little shy. I don't know. Uh, Skip, <laughs> Skip is uh, a we'll, hard we'll, one to get. We'll on. get him. We'll get him on here. He's a he's, great guy. He's tough, he, man. He, he would, once you get him, if, if you get him to open up, he's got all, he's got a lot of great things to say. Is there any, uh, is there anything he likes? You like a uh, like chocolate or anything? Any candy? <laughs> any, can I bribe him a little? I have to think that one through. I think he's a dark. I think he does like dark chocolate. If okay. I find, yeah. him, find out, let me know because I got to get him on the show. <laughs> so he helped us put together a great Indiegogo, and we were able to. So when it came time to start really thinking about everyone's position, I was thinking to myself, okay, well, yeah, this is the first thing I will have really directed. It's it's a big part. It's a very emotional part, and it's the it's the biggest production that I will have helmed myself to date. So. Mm-hmm. thinking to myself, okay, what's going to stress me out more? Is it going to be the fact that I'm acting in it and directing it? Or is it going to be me acting in it and then hoping that whoever I ask to direct it is going to do what I want, is going to do what I envisioned, is going to mm-hmm. do, which I'm, I'm sure is a problem most, you know, even, you know, very successful writers still experience, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I was just, I spent a lot of time thinking about that. I'm like, you know, yeah, directing it as well could and probably will be a little bit distracting. I trusted my acting training that I would be able to uh, keep the focus, you know, have 100% focused on whatever needed to be done at that moment. Right. And I just felt as though all this time spent writing it, all this time spent putting the campaign together, all this time that we spent getting it ready, it was like, I think what would stress me out more is if I ask somebody else to direct it. Mm. And under, since I'm going to be the one editing it, I'm going to be the one doing pretty much everything else. Is it is it in the post-production uh, specifically? Um, are they going to do well by it? Are they going to do what I had kind of envisioned for it? So that latter thought kind of stressed me out more. So we decided, or I, you know, we, we decided it would be, would be best that I would I would helmet myself and uh, with the amazing support of, of Raja and Art and many other people that came together, my close friend and co-producer, first AD, Amanda Mutart, helped out um, amazingly. And so without these people, I would never have been able to do this. Wow. Uh, my DPP, John Wilbers, came through uh, and we, we hit some road bumps, you know, like uh, John Wilbers had his all of his equipment stolen about four days before what? we rolled camera. So, we had to get a whole new set of equipment, a whole new camera. It was just like, wow. you know, we, you know, it was, we were in, a, again, this was in summer of 2015. So it's about a year and a half ago. And we, yeah. so much has changed in our life since then. And we've learned so much from this project, but, but yeah, so it kind of came at it from that standpoint. And, you know, I, I wouldn't change a thing. I've learned so many things about myself and about the process that I take into each new project that I do. And I think that's what it's all about. Oh, salute to that. Absolutely. By the way, did you have a cast in mind? beforehand or did that kind of evolve over time well i you know the story centers around two foster brothers two estranged foster brothers so i had written it in mind for myself to play one of the leads and raja to play the other not of course none of that being locked in if someone decided not to do it or we just decided to change who knows you know i didn't of course you never really know at that point when you're writing it but i had it in mind with raja there's only two other on-screen characters. One plays my daughter and one plays um, uh, my wife. And uh, I had the daughter in mind just because it was just perfect. It was Raja's close friend's daughter. And we just already knew, and she's an actress and is the cutest little button of a girl. So we we knew that that was going to be a perfect fit. And then it was just a matter of finding the right woman to play the wife, which we found uh, Valeria, which did an amazing job. So yeah, all came together. Oh my goodness. Now, what would you like to see happen with this? Yeah, you know, it's... It's interesting because in just a year and a half, so much can change in regards to your expectations or your or your your mindset. Yeah. You know, 
I wrote this with the intention of wanting to make something, make something that reflected what I loved most about movies, make something that was reminiscent of those things that inspired me as a child. You know, I really came at it from a creative standpoint. But now a year and a half later, in order to keep myself growing, I've had to vastly direct my attention to more of the business side of things. Yeah. Something I didn't think about as much when starting Venom Brothers. So not to put it down by any means, I I would love to see it do well in festivals. I would love to see it help fund a feature. I would love to see it open doors for everybody involved. And I hope it will. And I expect it to, but I didn't make it with the mindset of thinking that, oh, it's going to be a massive blockbuster in the theaters. You know, that's not why we did it. Right. So now when I'm making a film, I have to think about that kind of stuff. You know, how is this going to be financially viable? How is this going to open more doors for my production company? How is this going to push our business and our careers forward? You know, so it's interesting how much you can learn just by observing by doing projects by seeing what happens to projects you know it's yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting crazy, process. But, yeah but yeah ultimately i would love to see it get recognized for the great you know performance that raja did the great cinematography that john wilbers did all the great crew that we had the people that dedicated their time and their hours to helping make this a great film and i just love to see people get something out of it whether it's a new job a new opportunity some kind of recognition i just want people to see it i want people to enjoy it i want people to have a reaction out of it whether that's good or bad i don't know but just to get it out there would would mean the world to me the fact that it's finished is the is the biggest you know the biggest goal so absolutely to that is a cool trailer online folks that aren't familiar with it definitely check that out and by the way uh, i want to talk about sightline too you know a short horror as well another film that you um you know obviously wrote and directed and god where did the idea for this come from well thank you uh yeah so this, this is, is one right that up I, my alley these these types of films are just right up my alley yeah yeah well again like i like i was just saying about having to kind of have a certain mindset you know yeah. i'm start to, we you know my production company with art is is only about five months old so with us putting together our slate of things we want to do over the next year or so combined with the contacts that we have that we have now that we're working yeah. the negotiations we're in as far as investors we were really trying to combine all aspects of what is going to push our production company forward and i have a special love for horror films yes but like i was saying specifically like psychological horror films that like really trip you out you know and like i don't have a problem with blood and guts and everything but that's not why i like horror i like horror to make you really to really get under your skin in a sense no pun intended so (laughs) this idea just kind of came out of some of my favorite types of horror films which are very confined very claustrophobic very you know and, and then there's also very good you know uh viability for those kinds of things because they are cheaper to shoot because there's a huge market for horror films because horror films are really the only genre where you don't need an a-lister in it for it to be massively successful so all of these reasons going into it as far as a production company standpoint combined with the fact that i love these kinds of movies oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> Help me come up with this this thought of a relatively simple concept, but it, it's kind of interesting in the way that it's shot and the way that we shot the short film. Uh, same cinematographer, uh, John Wilbers, did an amazing job. I came to him with this and told him, this is a DP's nightmare. So uh, <laughs> let me know what you think. And he called me back. He's like, yeah, this is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> but he was able to pull it together because he's a, he's a magician himself in that right. way. So we've shot the short and we are currently, you know, uh, talking to some investors and getting a feature made and, and our all of our actors, all of our crew, everybody just came together and did an amazing job. And also, so the short was also an experiment, you know, because I've never mm. seen a horror film 
made quite like the way I intend to shoot the feature. So we were really also kind of testing this concept out to see if it would even work. And oh, good stuff. So far, so good. It's still in post. Uh, we're almost done, but uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing. So oh. we'll find out find out more soon. Oh, sick. By the way, how did you you know meet Jill and uh, David? I met Jill. She uh, Jill Crenshaw, whom I trained with. I was in uh, um, an acting class for about sixty. My first six years of being in LA, Joe Police at the Actor Space. Oh yeah. Uh, and I trained with her there for a, at least, gosh, three or four of those years. And she was just one of the most raw, most just deep, deep actors that I've ever watched work. Yeah, so right. even especially in person, she's just always was so powerful and blew me away every time she was on the stage. So yeah. uh, that was that was an easy choice. And uh, David Soboloff, we were lucky enough to have. Thankfully, I didn't I, I had only met him once previous to shooting this movie. But uh, Art Kulik, uh, who I told you was my yeah. uh, co-producer and co-owner of uh, Trilogy, he knew him because they worked together on a feature a number of years back. And David's also a very, very, very established voiceover actor oh, yeah. as well. Camera actor. So Mm-hmm. He liked the script. He liked the idea. He was able to, yes, be on camera, but his voice also played a huge part in this. And so because this movie specifically is very driven by sound and not and very restricted in how much you're able to see. Right. So uh, he was a, a good choice for that. And he, we were lucky enough to have him come and, uh, and shoot with us. And it was it was a blast. It was an absolute blast. My God. Very cool stuff. Another creepy trailer there you got online. A little teaser there. My God. Looks Thank insane. you. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> I love this stuff because it's uh, right up my alley. I'm really into these psychological flicks, you know, kind of a mind fuck for lack of better words and uh, stuff that's kind of twisted, you know. Totally. I love that stuff. But the interesting thing about these kind of films is that they're very close to reality. You know, this kind of crazy stuff can happen. So mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> we hear stories about things like this and it's, I don't know, it kind of hits home with these feels is it's like these films is like a this fear of the unknown i think or these really hmm, i'll just leave it there i'll just yeah i'll just leave it there i like films that kind of i don't know they're kind of psychological in that they they get your mind going in places that um you kind of don't want to take it but you're forced to take it there and then you kind of don't know what to expect from there you know it's like kind of like a roller coaster in a way you know these rides kind of start and you never know really what to expect. Yeah, these psychological thrillers are really, really cool, especially when they're done as shorts, because I think they always have a lasting impact. And oftentimes, like you said, these get made into features. So it'd be really, really cool. Is that kind of the goal with uh, Sideline? Yeah, we'd, we'd love to helm that as a feature and uh, be yeah. Trilogy's uh, first feature. And I think uh, there's some viability in it. You know, it's, we didn't write it to make it cheap to shoot, but the way that it's written makes it cheap to shoot. So nice. we would be able to shoot this for a very, you know, a reasonable budget. And if done right, I think it could be something really unique and something that people that are fans of this genre could really get into. So how can folks find out a little bit more about both films? Because obviously you've got your website but how do you want to kind of get folks tuned into you know keeping up well we have our, our website for trilogy trilogymediainc.com uh, we'll always have our most updated stuff you can always follow uh, either art art or i on twitter we'll always have our projects and trailers and, and certain things and uh as well as youtube so yeah every pretty much all the standard interwebs okay. uh, we also have a we also have a, a trilogy media inc page for uh, on facebook uh, that you'll find uh, we just posted some uh, production stills from sightline and some some different things on there as well so so yeah that's that's pretty much it okay cool we'll, we'll plug those again at the end here now our listeners may not be familiar with you know this, this wonderful web series that you've created called <laughs> fucking actors oh my god we got to talk about this because you know i know you talked about it a bit in our first segment 
but I kind of want to bring our listeners up to speed on what to expect if they were to stumble across this online, because obviously it's kind of, you know, become quite popular. And I'm curious to hear, you know, how you and Mr. Keys kind of came up with the idea in the first place. Yeah, well, it's it's funny. It was actually we didn't originally intend for it to be a web series. We sat down and this actually all started because Gian was interested in <laughs> making some uh, footage for himself for, for purposes of marketing himself, uh, some comedy footage. Oh, he, really? he didn't nice. have, he didn't have a lot of footage in comedy. So we were sitting down and we're like, well, what can we do? You know, we can write a scene and we could shoot it or mm-hmm. we could pull a scene uh, from a scene book and shoot it. And, but then we're like, well, but if we're going to go through this trouble, I mean, why not? So, uh, you know, uh, we had this idea of making this show, which is a very simple, concept. It's just about a couple of actors, which there's millions of those out there. But we thought that if we could bring uh, a chemistry that we knew that we had together to mm. the screen, if we can make it in such a way that appealed to a lot of the more, you know, a- audiences that are much more in tune to the internet and internet content and uh, that much kind of more faster paced single camera kind of meta humor that you see a lot. If we could bring those kind of kinds of qualities to it, that it could be something special. So we wrote a pilot episode and or we, you know, we wrote out a bunch of ideas in different ways and I scripted it out and we brought it to a very close friend of mine. His name is Halston Williams. Um, mm, yeah. He, I, I worked on my very first uh, feature that I ever had any kind of producing role in with him Yeah, uh, yeah. called Easy Money. And I think Raja talked about that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, a, a very formative experience and mm. bringing me to where I am. And Halston has had my back since the day I got here. He's always had full faith in me. So mm. he, I, I went to him first with this and and he jumped on it. He loved the idea. He wanted to help us. So we, uh, he shot the pilot for us and uh, he has since shot every episode as well. And he's done an amazing job. It's gotten some really good attention as far as cinema photography goes. And so we just, you know, we just kind of grew it from there. We, we put our pilot together, we posted it, got some good feedback. We shot some more episodes and just kind of, just kind of grew. And then in, in the summer of last year, we submitted it to some festivals and it seems to be relatively yeah, uh, well received. We yeah, got it, we got it, we got it, uh, picked up on a Roku platform. Right. Oh, so it's, uh, our, our, uh, thank you. Yeah. Our, our seven, uh, currently existing episodes are on, are on Roku. And, you know, since I have joined forces with art and we've created trilogy, art has brought so many resources to the show and helped us get funding and bringing in, uh, name actors. And it's, so it's just kind of, it's grown beyond way beyond what we ever intended it to be. And it's Crazy. just been a really fun experience and probably one of the most fun, sets that we any of us have been on just because it's just so fan so close to home it's so family we're just being really ourselves yeah. in our own, in our own environment and having some fun and it's it's it was it's a, it's been a blast right right oh god really really good stuff by the way will there be a season two we are uh yeah we're we're currently kind of in between like i said about having to kind of you know you got to focus your efforts where the where the the smart business mind is is going to go you know oh, so yeah. Uh, we've, um, we've got season one on a great platform right now. We're currently looking for places where we could expand it, but we feel that we have enough of the show currently to market it and to pitch it and to kind of show what it is, you know, Mm -hmm. as far as producing more episodes at the moment is not really where we're putting our focus. We're kind of more focused on, on finding an audience for it and finding a bigger audience where it can expand, where it can grow and where it can uh, continue to uh, do what it does. So we're we're kind of in between, you know, seasons right now, but we would love to have a season two if uh, we just need to need to get all our ducks in a row, I guess. (laughs) Roger that. Well, Godspeed with that. There's a lot of potential with that. Oh my God. It's already, uh, you know, obviously catching the right eyes, but um, yeah, it's, it's uh, certainly fantastic. Uh, again, to say the least, so many things going on with you, but I, I'd love to know kind of what's next for you. Anything else that we should look out for? 
Oh, goodness. Well, I would say we haven't released Venom Brothers publicly yet, mm-hmm. but we will have some festival screenings coming up. I already know of one specifically, and we will, uh, which yeah, the, the date hasn't been set, but the the, the venue has. Oh, and nice. uh, yeah. so Venom Brothers, as soon as we put that out into the public, I think it will be uh, really fun to see its reception. Sightline as well. We are, if everything goes according to plan, we should be shooting our feature this summer for hopefully oh, nice. a, a Halloween release, which would be amazing. Oh, my God. And uh, Art and I both are still you know auditioning frequently and uh art specifically has a couple tv shows coming up that they don't allow us to talk about ahead of time but right. some uh <laughs> some exciting things coming down the pike so we're uh we're excited a lot going on and we're loving every minute of it god there's so much going on it's outstanding work though uh, to say the least and seriously godspeed with some of this other stuff that you've got going on here now ash and i've got to got to do something here to you that I do to all of my guests, and uh, it really stinks that I have to do this to you. I mean, you've been so wonderful. You've been so generous. I mean, you've you've really been a great guest on the show. And God, I I mean, I don't discriminate with this. So I mean, at least that's something I can say in advance. But um, uh, really trying to think about if I should do this to you. I mean, it's really, really. Uh, I need to ask you if you're ready for this. I mean, if you if you'll be so kind to um, I am ready. Throw it at me. Oh what you God. got? You didn't even hesitate, did you? You just <laughs> not a not a bit. You just dove right into this full speed ahead. Just dove right in without even thinking about it. So I'm going to be a very generous host here and give you an opportunity just to think about it a little bit before you decide. I know you wanted to jump right in. I appreciate that, but Oh, God, man, I just got to do this to you. And um, I just want to be at least, you know, gracious enough to to allow you to think about it. Okay. <laughs> Let's take a second here. Let's give you a second here to kind of rethink this. Because you okay. can opt out if you want. If You can you can certainly opt out. It's something nope. that... I'm ready. Throw it at me. What you oh, got? Oh, my God. Okay. I'm not going to prolong this any longer. Uh-oh. Whimsical. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ashton, this is the part of the show where I ask our guests to share a fun fact about themselves. Now, this fun fact, I know all that build up for this, right? Absolutely ridiculous. But um, yeah, this fun fact has got to be something that people don't know about you. So folks listening to this podcast cannot know this fun fact about you. And I'm going to put the spotlight on you, sir. The floor is yours. A fun fact, but something that people don't know about you. Hmm. Well, I would say <laughs> this. It's not necessarily fun in nature, but it's fun in the fact that most people don't know because I don't really broadcast it often. I was once uh, I was once held at gunpoint in an armed robbery. What? <laughs> Whoa! You have totally. to elaborate on this. When the hell did that happen? Oh yeah. my! Yeah, it was intense. This Whoa. was in 2000. And, I want to say 12. I was working at a one of the jobs I had uh, in my earlier years in LA. I was working at a video store. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, we were we were close to closing hour. I was the supervisor. I only had one other employee in the store, and then there was two customers in the store. And uh, yeah, we got robbed at gunpoint. And I was the one behind the counter. I was the one handling the money. So I was the one with the intention. And so Holy. I had to. Uh, I had to bust open cash registers with a gun to my face, and uh, and thankfully it was rather quick. Gave him the money. He didn't get much, and uh, he ran. Wow. Uh, a very exhilarating two and a half minutes, I would say. Oh, my God. No wonder you wanted to get the hell out of that right. stuff. My <laughs> God. <laughs> what? This is crazy. Did they ever find the guy? I don't believe, as far as my recollection or as far as my knowledge, rather, that they did. I know that I was, you know, I was questioned by some of the investigators. I had to ad- identify him on a, on, a, on a sheet of, you know, faces. And he had committed a couple other robberies in the area in the, in the coming weeks. But I wow. was pretty checked out from the details after that. So I don't know for sure. But I never heard that they did. So, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. But uh, you never know. My goodness gracious. Like, did they train you on that type of stuff? Do you get kind of any type of prep beforehand for situations that could happen like that? Nope. <laughs> Damn. I don't know if there's any way that you really could. You know, it's yeah. you just uh, thankfully I, I was uh, I didn't clam up or, or 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 freeze up once I it took me a minute to realize what was happening. But as soon as it did, I, I was pretty on point with what I needed to do, which was just give him the money because there wasn't much. It wasn't worth it. Yeah. You know, just give the money keep your hands up and just wait for it to be over and thankfully it was pretty quickly oh my so god that's craziness you ever have like yeah. um, ptsd from that kind of thing because that's yeah. no joke thankfully not i yeah. you know i think this the, the worst part of it was having to tell my mom exactly right not something she wants to hear but yeah. No, I'm I'm okay. I've I made peace with it. It's not something. Thankfully, nothing happened. Nothing tragic happened. Nobody got hurt. It was just a one of many adrenaline-filled moments that you know I experience every day on the LA highways. So it's oh, uh, <laughs> my goodness, that's a hell of an LA story right there. Now that is a crazy fun fact there. You took me for a loop there. That's there you go. that's quite an interesting <laughs> fun fact. I appreciate you, you know, sharing that with our uh, listeners. My God, jeez. Yeah. Held on gunpoint. What? It makes for a good story. <laughs> yeah, my goodness. Now, God, we're getting close to the end of the show. I appreciate you staying, you know, long uh, here. I know it's getting kind of late, but I, I, I kind of want to know what your thoughts are regarding the future of independent film. You're somebody who, you know, I kind of feel is, um, you know, very intellectual. I, I, I sense that uh, you're an intelligent fella. I'm wondering though what your thoughts are about the future of uh, you know independent film in general. You know where do you do you think it's going? What do you think about it now even? And uh, what are your thoughts on that? I kind of want to pick your brain about cinema and uh, you know, just just this whole independent film movement. Yeah, sure. You know, I think and also because you also have kind of seen this thing from the beginning. It's kind of like me in a way because you you've been there when we were shooting on like tape. You know, <laughs> right? You know? Yeah, my uh, yeah. my early cameras as an eight year old yeah. were on those uh, little mini DV. Actually, yeah. they were the bigger ones first, and it was the mini DVs. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, I think I I just hope and pray that there continue to be opportunities. I mean, you, I think it's there's no way to really predict where the industry is going. I never would have thought, you know, seven years ago that uh, Netflix was going to put video stores out of business. You know, I yeah. never thought that shows on original content on things like Amazon and Hulu were going to be getting Emmy nominations. Like you just never, you, know, you can't predict that kind of stuff. So I'm just glad that there are so many different outlets now 
in the last 10 years that have sprung up that allow indie filmmakers to get their their voice heard to get their Hmm, projects made i'm just happy that that has happened that it's not i mean and god bless the networks but you know they're they're not necessarily the only way to do it now and i think there's so many different ways that somebody can have a voice somebody can make their get their project made send their message or whatever they're trying to do and if it resonates it'll it'll stick you know Uh, i just i just hope that more platforms continue to flourish and that more audiences continue to receive them great great point actually right there now is there any advice that you would like to share with someone that might be listening to this podcast but maybe they want to do what you're doing right now but Perhaps they don't have the resources or the courage. Is there any advice that you would give that individual or those individuals? I would recommend that you really do some self-analyzing and figure out how much you want it. You know, Mm, I know for myself personally that, you know, if I had taken the safer route, quote unquote, and gone and gotten a a better college education and had pursued something that was more stable, that I just never was going to be happy enough with myself. I was always going to wonder what if I was always going to wonder what would have happened if I had tried. Mm. And that's not okay with me. And that was enough for me to know that I want this more than anything. So if I suggest that if you feel the same way that you do whatever it takes to make it happen, you know, whatever it takes. And everyone's in a different walk of life, but you're never too old. It's never too late. And it's not impossible. Just figure out if you want it and then go for it. Oh, and God, I love that it. enough should make you happy. That is excellent, excellent advice right there. And before we wrap, sir, feel free to plug anything you wish. Websites, Twitter accounts, Facebook. You know, can you please tell our listeners how to keep up with everything that you've got going on and you know what you've got coming out here in the future yeah i keep an eye on uh trilogy media on facebook keep an eye on trilogymediainc.com uh we'll have a lot of projects coming up keep an eye out for some television appearances from myself and our uh our, our circle of amazing people i'm so lucky to have near me art kulik raja decca uh gian keys we have i mean there's just so many to name and uh yeah you'll uh you'll be hearing more and if i get another irs call then you'll probably hear about that too <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're going to be calling, man. I think you uh, you schooled them pretty good right there, man. Well, I haven't had a single call since that day, so maybe you're right. <laughs> I freaking love that, man. Oh, God, that is tremendous. Well, Ashton, I have to tell you, I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with our listeners. And I certainly have got to bring you back in the near future here for an update. It's been quite delightful. And I've got to, I'm going to have to hit you up here about this Magic Castle, sir, Mr. Mr. I got I yeah, I'm going to have to, we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll be here, man. Shoot uh, me good stuff. But, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and, you know, just really taking the time out to, to kind of walk our listeners through some of these wonderful projects that you've been a part of, that you've created. I think it's fantastic what you're doing in the community too, as well. And God, it's crazy. Like 26. Is that what you said? That's just, um, yeah, that's, I know, right? I feel I feel old, but I, I know I'm I'm very lucky to to not be so yet. But it's it's going quick. I tell you that. Well, I tell you one thing: you're a very talented man, and I really do think this guy is to coin a you know a phrase that I think is corny, but also true. I really do believe the sky's the limit. So you know, just keep doing what you're doing because I really think some really good things are ahead. You're certainly um my God, some people that do put the T in talent. That's for sure. And uh, yeah, you're really kicking ass in this film community. So thank you. I really appreciate that. Oh, absolutely, man. Just keep doing what you're doing too. I mean, it's, um, it's pretty remarkable. So 
God, I, I appreciate you coming on show tonight, and I think it's time to uh, fade out here. What do you think? Sounds good to me, Max. Thanks again so much, buddy. Oh, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Ashton Bingham. My God, check him out, folks. And we will be back with more after this break. You are listening to the Cinema After Dark podcast. My name is Max Cole, and I host this show, and hopefully you are feeling inspired. It's been a wonderful time tonight. I want to remind everyone that you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe to us there. Greatly appreciate that. Obviously, please spread the word about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Cinema After Dark. Again, thank you all for listening, and we will be back with more shortly. And welcome back to the Cinema After Dark podcast. My goodness, I want to thank our guest tonight, Mr. Ashton Bingham. What a great, great discussion that was there tonight. My goodness, he's got so many cool things going on. I also want to thank all of you for tuning into this podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Make sure you show someone how to access our podcast. I would greatly appreciate that. But 